Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, whether you're joining us on-site or online, thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us. Well, we're studying the Gospel of Luke and we're calling this series Following Jesus Through the Book of Luke. And that's because our goal is to follow Jesus around as he moves through the Book of Luke. And we're going to pay attention to what he does and to what he says. And as we watch Jesus' actions and as we listen to his teachings, my prayer is that we might uh, become more certain of the things that we believe as Christians, that Jesus really is the Son of God, that he really is the promised Messiah, and that he really is the Savior of the world, and that he really is worth following, no matter how hard and how demanding that can be at times. And the title of today's sermon is The Parable of the Soils. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read from verses 4 to 21. Now, up until now, we've mostly watched Jesus in action. We've watched Jesus miraculously heal lots of people, like, like the leper and the paralytic. He even raised a widow's dead son back to life. And, and, and all of these miracles of Jesus were not just demonstrations of his power, but also demonstrations of his compassion and love because they were all acts of restoration, restoring broken bodies, restoring broken relationships. And all of these miracles were actually glimpses and previews of what life in the kingdom of God will be like when it comes in fullness and power. And, and so we've been mostly watching Jesus do stuff. But today, we're going to get another opportunity to listen to Jesus. Now, the last time we listened to Jesus for an extended teaching was back in chapter 6 when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And today, we're going to listen to Jesus again as we listen to one of his most well-known parables known as the parables, uh, the parable of the soils. Now, a parable simply is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So, people of God, this is the word of our God. Would you give it your careful attention? And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that, they, uh, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing fall away. And as for those, and as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a good, in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. 
No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, our passage begins with this great crowd that's gathering around Jesus in verse 4, and it ends with Jesus explaining who from among that great crowd actually is a part of his family. You see, not everyone in that great crowd was a part of the family. Just because you're in the crowd around Jesus does not mean you're in the family of Jesus. So who is just a part of the crowd? And who is a part of the family that belongs to Jesus? How can you tell if someone belongs to the crowd or belongs to the family? And Jesus will answer that very question in our passage today with this parable and this teaching. And today Jesus is going to tell us that his family consists of people who not only hear the word of God, but who also do it. And as you listen to this sermon today, I ask you to examine yourself. I'm sorry, my mic mic broke here. Can I get another handheld mic? It's it's falling off my ear. I'm sorry about that. Oh, man. I'm going to turn this off. Hello? Okay. Sorry about that, guys. My mic just kind of popped off my ear. So here, here's, here's, okay. So today, Jesus is going to teach us that his family consists of people who not only hear the word, but more importantly, do the word. And as you listen to this sermon today, I'm going to ask you to examine yourself and to see if you belong to the crowd or to the family. You know, it would be a terrible thing for you to think that you belong to the family of Jesus when in reality you only belong to the crowd. That's because only those who belong to the family of Jesus will be saved from sin, death, and hell. You see, friends, my hope is that every single one of you who's listening to me today, whether you're here in person or online, that you would become a part of the family of Jesus through faith in Jesus because only members of his family will be heirs of salvation and eternal life. So here's the outline for today's sermon. First, the purpose of the parable. Second, the explanation of the parable. And third, the application of the parable. Now in verse 10, Jesus told us the purpose of his parables. Now parables have a twofold function. They have both a revealing function and a concealing function. First, they have a revealing function. According to the first part of verse 10, they revealed the secrets of the kingdom of God to those who belong to the kingdom, to those who follow Jesus. 
And second, they also have a concealing function. And according to the second part of verse 10, they concealed the kingdom of God to those who do not belong to it. So that though they see, they don't really see. Though they hear, they don't really understand. You see, Jesus' prophetic teaching ministry was the fulfillment of Isaiah's ministry. The phrase, seeing but not seeing, hearing but not understanding, was a quote from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. There God told the prophet Isaiah that he would be sent to a people to preach the word of God, but the people would not listen to him. Though they hear, they won't understand. Though they see, they won't see. Thus, they show themselves to be deserving of God's judgment. You see, friends, to those who believe in Jesus as the Messiah and follow Jesus as Lord, the parables and the teachings of Jesus reveal the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God to them. To those who believe, the teachings of Jesus will soften their hearts and they will believe in Jesus, trust Jesus, and obey Jesus. But to those who are merely attracted to Jesus but do not believe in him, to those who follow Jesus around as a spectacle but not as Lord, the parables and the teachings of Jesus will conceal the kingdom of God from them. You see, to those who disbelieve, the teachings of Jesus will actually harden their hearts against Jesus and they will reject Jesus and thus they will show themselves worthy of judgment. Now, in the great crowd that listened to Jesus, some would hear and understand the things of the kingdom of God and some would hear but not understand. You see, the Word of God always has this dual or twofold function. It always reveals to those who believe, and it conceals from those who do not believe. And it is still true today. To those who believe, when they hear the Word of God, the Word reveals the secrets and the mysteries and the beauties of the kingdom of God to them. But to those who do not believe, when they hear the Word of God, the Word actually conceals the things of the kingdom from them, and it hardens their hearts. Whenever the church gathers together to hear the word of God, you cannot assume that everyone who is gathered is a part of Jesus' family. What matters is not that you hear the word of God, because lots of people hear the word of God. Do you realize that in the Gospel of Luke, lots and lots and lots of people hear Jesus, hear his word, but they do not belong to his family. What truly matters is how you respond to the word that you hear. And in this parable of the four soils, Jesus explained the four types of hearers in the very crowd that was listening to him that day. And these four types of hearers exist in every church, in every gathering of people when they gather together to hear the word of God. And according to Jesus, out of the four types of hearers, only one type of hearer belongs to his family. The rest belong to the crowd. So the purpose of the parable of Jesus is to both reveal and conceal the kingdom of God. Second, let's talk about the explanation of the parable. In verses 11 to 15, Jesus explained the meaning of his own parable. He knows the meaning because it's his parable. So we have to take his explanation and interpretation of it. And Jesus said that the seed represented the word of God. And he said that the seeds fell on four different kinds of soils. And these four different kinds of soils represents four different kinds of hearts, four different types of responses to God's word. 
And, and, and out of these four different responses to God's word, only one was the right and the fruitful way to respond to God's word. And also, this parable is not talking about how you respond to one specific instance of hearing God's word. This parable is talking about your overall and your continual response to God's word as you regularly and repeatedly hear the word over and over again, Sunday to Sunday, from Bible study to Bible study, over the course of your entire life. So we're not talking about your one-time response to God's word, but we're talking about your overall response to God's word over the totality of your life. But of course, your overall response is made up of your one-time responses that you listen to God's word, right? So even how you respond to God's word today is a part of your overall response to God's word. So the sower carried a bag over his shoulder, over his left shoulder, he's usually right-handed, and then he would take seed and toss it all over the place, indiscriminately as he walked through the field. And so seeds were flying everywhere, everywhere. And not all of the seed would land on the field. Some seed would actually go so far it would land on the road that people walked all over. And because the road was hardened because of all of the foot traffic, the seed would not be able to penetrate uh, and go underground. So the seed would just lie on the surface of the road and it would get trampled or eaten by birds. And Jesus explained that the seed falling on the hard road was like the word falling on hard hearts. These are the people who hear the word of God, but they don't believe it. They don't care for it. They reject it. They don't care about the word. That as Pastor Bobby said, it goes in one ear and out the other. These are the people who go to church regularly. They hear the word regularly, but they find the word either unbelievable, boring, or irrelevant. They go to church because they're forced to go to church, because their parents force them, or because their spouse forced them. Uh, these are the people who may go to church only for social and cultural reasons, because all of their friends are there, or because that's just what they do on Sundays. But they do not care about the Word of God. Now, they may say that they believe it because that's the right thing to say when you're a longtime churchgoer. And they may even know a lot, of the, a lot of the right Bible answers because they've heard so many sermons over their lifetime. But deep down, they don't believe it and they don't care for it. These are the people who are always at church but never really there. These are the people who listen but never really hear the word. Uh, during the sermon, these are the people that are usually thinking about other things, right? What are we going to do after church today? What are we going to eat after church? And, and you're just patiently waiting for the sermon to be over. These are people who have heard the word hundreds of times, but the word has made no impact on their hearts whatsoever. You see, friends, the, these are the people where the word bounces off their hearts, just like the seed bounced off the road. Now, if this describes you, I need to be a faithful pastor, and I need to warn you. And I need to tell you today plainly that you are in great spiritual danger. In verse 12, Jesus said, not me, Jesus said, people like this do not believe and they are not saved. The judgment of God against your sins is still coming from you, for you, and you are not saved from that. You see, just because you grew up in the church 
just because you come to church every Sunday, just because you hear the word every Sunday, does not mean that you believe and that you are saved. It just means that you hear the word. Lots of people hear the word and are still not saved. And I pray that is not true of any of you today. But if it is, if it is today, repent today. Today, believe the gospel. Today, trust Jesus to be your Savior. And today, ask God to make your heart soft and, and fertile for the Word of God that it might bear fruit in your life. It is not too late for the hard heart to become good soil. The second kind of soil that the seeds fell upon was the rocky soil. Now, this was soil that looked like soil on the top but about two to three inches under the soil was a bedrock of limestone. So from the external perspective, it looks like good soil. And, and the seed would land on the soil, and it would go into the soil, and it would begin to sprout, and it would begin to grow up, and everything would look great for a while. But the roots would quickly hit the rock, and it would wither because there was no more moisture. And Jesus said that the seed that fell on the rocky soil was like the word falling upon a shallow heart. These are people who hear the word, and initially they receive the word with joy. They believe in Jesus, they follow Jesus, and everything looks great for a while. But when testing comes, their faith withers, and they stop following Jesus. These are people who seemed to believe in Jesus and to follow Jesus. But when sufferings and sorrow came, when trials and difficulties came, when disappointments and losses came, they began to question the goodness of God, and then they begin to question the existence of God. And their faith withers, and they fall away. These are people who have shallow hearts because the word never takes deep root in their hearts. These are people who walk away from God because God has disappointed them or because God did not do what they wanted God to do. These are people who say something like this, I was once a Christian, but not anymore. I remember a friend in college that I met who wasn't a Christian when I met him, but I really liked him. And a bunch of us from our college fellowship loved him, so we hung out with him, we prayed for him, we invited him to our fellowship time and time again. We even played basketball together. I mean, we loved this guy. And eventually, finally, he took us up on our offer, came to our Friday night fellowship, heard the word, and it was amazing because he had a dramatic and an emotional conversion to Jesus. And he was like, I mean, on fire for Christ after that. He was at everything. Every Sunday morning, he was at church. Every Friday night, he was at our fellowship. Every Wednesday night, he was at his uh, small group Bible study. And even in the mornings, he would come to early morning prayers. I mean, this brother was on fire. Some of us thought he might even go into ministry. But after a little time, he experienced some trials and hardships in his life. And he began to question his Christian faith began to wonder if it was real or not, and he began to stop attending church, and eventually he stopped considering himself a Christian. You see, his faith withered during the time of testing when hardship and disappointment came into his life. Friends, that sadly happens a lot, and that is an example of a shallow heart. The third kind of soil that the seeds fell on was the thorny soil. Now, here's the thing. This is actually good soil. The seed goes into the soil. The seed sprouts and it grows. It's good soil. 
But unfortunately, thorns also exist in the soil. The thorns eventually choke out the plants that were growing up. Initially seems so fruitful, but it ends up being unfruitful. And Jesus said that the seed that fell upon the thorny soil was like the word falling upon an infested heart. These are people whose hearts are infested, busy with competing priorities and loves that distract them from Jesus and that ultimately keep them from fully following Jesus. You see, the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life distract their hearts and uh, away from fully following Christ. The things of the world, and usually these are the good things of the world, distract and divide their hearts, and the word does not bear fruit as it should. I'll be honest with you. The infested heart is what I fear most for us who live in Northern Virginia and the DMV. We hear the gospel. We love the gospel. We love Jesus. And we want to follow and serve Jesus with all of our hearts. And for many of us, we did. Especially in our younger years, when we were college students or during our young adult years. I mean, we were on fire for Christ. But as we got older as we got careers, as we got married, as we got kids, as we got houses and mortgage payments, as we got more responsibilities, we started to get more distracted. You see, there are so many things in life that can distract us and divide our hearts, right? We all have cares and concerns and burdens that weigh our hearts down. We all, and there are so many treasures and pleasures for us to seek that make life so fun. And slowly, Gradually, we become more and more concerned with the things of this world than with the things of God. Slowly and gradually, the good things that we have, which are all blessings from God, can choke out the spiritual life in us. Of course, we all have the outward appearances of the Christian faith. We still go to church when we can. We still serve when we can. We still do Christian things. But on the inside, our hearts have grown dull and cold and loveless toward Christ. We love our families. We love our jobs, our financial security, our reputations, our houses, our material things, our recreations, our food, and a bunch of other things more than we love Christ. We may even think to ourselves, living for Christ? I'll do that later when I have more time, when I have more free time. But for now, I really have to live for the things that are really important, like my career or my family or my golf game. You see, the problem for us in Nova is that we have so many good things to live for that we don't have time to live for Christ. And that, I think, is the greatest spiritual danger for us who live right here. The fourth kind of soil that the seeds fell upon was the good soil. The seed went into the good soil, and it sprouted, and it grew, and it yielded fruit a hundredfold. It produced a great harvest. And Jesus said that the seed that fell upon the good soil was like the word falling upon the fruitful heart. These are people who allow God's word to go deep into their hearts, allow it to take root, and it bears fruit in their lives. These are the people who not only receive God's word, they hold fast to God's word and they obey God's word. These are people whose minds, hearts, and, and, and lives have been renewed and transformed by the power of the gospel. These are people in whom the word of God bears 
great fruit, and it is awesome and amazing. Now, before I get on to my third point, I have two reflections that I think I want to, that, that I think I need to share with you because I think these are important too. So two more reflections, and here's the first. The Word of God will bear fruit slowly but surely. As you listen to this parable, doesn't it seem like the sower's labors and the seeds are wasted? Because three-fourths of the seeds are lost. They land in soils that don't produce any fruit. Only a quarter, one-fourth of the seeds, land on good soil that bear fruit. In the same way, it often seems like the labors of preachers and the seeds of God's word is wasted because most of the hearers do not respond rightly and fruitfully. The word of God may seem like it's not making any difference in the lives of people. It may seem like the ministry of the word is not bearing much fruit. But we can be confident of this. God's word will produce a harvest. Harvest. There will be people who respond with faith and obedience. There will be people who bear fruit, and it will all be worth it. You see, friends, nothing can stop the spread and the fruitfulness of God's word. It will go forth, and it will bear fruit. Now, it may not happen as fast as we want it to be. It may not be as visible as we want it to be. And listen to this. And it may not be in the lives of the people that we wanted to see it happen in. That's a hard one. Because we all have people that we love. And we want to see the word of God bear fruit in their lives. We do. But God's word will go forth. And it will bear fruit. And it will not return to God empty or void. God's word will bear fruit, and God will get all the glory for that. Second, the main question that we ought to be asking is not how the word was proclaimed, but how was the word heard and received? You see, from God's perspective, we know that God sovereignly ordains which people will respond to God's word rightly and which will not. But from a human perspective, the deciding factor for the fruitfulness of the word is not, listen, is not in how the word was preached, but in how the word was heard and responded to. Yes, I, the preacher, must do my very best to prepare and to preach good sermons, sermons that are true and faithful to God's word. But do you realize that, this, that the deciding factor from a human perspective is not how well the word was preached, but how well the word was heard. Now, in the first three hearings of the word, they were not unproductive because the word was proclaimed poorly. Let me tell you, Jesus does not proclaim the word poorly. <laughs> and in the fourth hearing of the word, they were not productive because the word was preached well. Jesus preached the same word and the people heard the same word, and yet it produced fruit in some and not in others. So what was the difference? It wasn't the word, because it was the same word that was preached and heard. The difference was those, the difference was in those who heard the word, the difference was in how they responded to the word. I, as a preacher, have a great responsibility to preach the word rightly. 
But do you realize that you also have a great responsibility? And your responsibility as the hearer of the word is to hear rightly. I am responsible to preach rightly, but you are responsible to hear and to respond rightly. Now, most of the time after church service, people ask some version of this question. So how was the sermon today? How did the pastor preach the sermon today? That's a good question, fair question. But do you know what's a better question? What's a more important question? It should be, how did you hear today? How did you respond to the word today? Did you respond with faith, repentance, and obedience? Stop worrying about how well the preacher preached and start worrying about how well you respond to the word that was preached. Friends, listen to me. Uh, when a church experiences renewal and revival, it's not because the church has great preachers. It's because the church has great hearers of the word. That's when a church experiences revival. So the next time you pray for the preaching of the word, please pray for me. Please pray for the pastor that we would preach well. But spend the bulk of your time praying for yourself and praying for others that our church might hear the word rightly and respond rightly. That's even more important. So we talked about the purpose and the explanation of the parable. Lastly, let's talk about the application of this parable. Now in verses 16 to 21, Jesus applied this parable and talked about its implications. In verses 16 to 18, Jesus talked about this light metaphor. And let me be honest with you. Frankly, this light metaphor has confused Bible scholars all over the place. And there's a bunch of different interpretations on how to interpret this light metaphor. Uh, light metaphor. So some think that the light refers to the Word of God. Some Bible uh, scholars think that the light refers to those who hear the Word and do the Word. And other Bible scholars think that the light refers to Jesus, the one who exposes all things. So there's a bunch of different interpretations on what the light means. But nobody, but, but everybody agrees on what the main point of this metaphor is, because Jesus makes it plain in verse 18. That's the main point here. Take care how you hear. Let me say that again. That is the main point of this light metaphor. Take care how you hear. According to Jesus, there is a right way to hear the word and a wrong way to hear the word. So what is the right way to hear the word? What is the fruitful way to hear the word? Now, if you want to hear the word of God rightly, let me tell you right now, you have to do two things if you want to hear the word of God rightly. First, you must listen to God's word with the goal of faith, seeking to believe what it says. Second, you must listen to God's word with the goal of obedience, seeking to obey what it commands. To take care how you hear God's word means that you prepare yourself to respond to God's word with faith and obedience, believing what it says and obeying what it commands. Faith and obedience are the right and the fruitful way to respond to God's word. And that is the only right and fruitful way to respond to God's word. And in verses 19 to 21, Jesus explained who belongs to his family. Imagine this. So there's this great crowd around Jesus. In fact, there's so many people around Jesus that his own mother and brothers can't get to him. So they send word to someone, hey, tell Jesus that we want to see him. And so someone comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers, your family, they want to see you. It's interesting. Jesus 
doesn't go to see his family, but he actually takes that as an opportunity to explain who his true family is. And Jesus said in verse 21, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. The crowd just hears the word. But family hears and does the word. The main theme of today's parable and teaching, the main theme of our passage today is responding rightly to God's word. How you respond to God's word determines whether you are good soil or not. How you respond to God's word determines whether you're a family or not. You see, only those who respond to God's word by hearing it and doing it are good soil. Only they are family with Jesus. Hearing the word is worthless unless it leads to doing the word. Now, the gospel tells us that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the work of Christ alone. Amen. Hallelujah. But the faith that saves is never alone. It is always accompanied with obedience. Friends, we obey not to be saved, but because we're already saved in Christ. We obey not to get God to love us because we know that he already loves us in Christ and we obey out of a grateful heart for the love that we have in Christ. As followers, we are called to live holy and sanctified lives, lives that are set apart for God. But what is the sanctified life? The sanctified life is nothing more and nothing less than the obedient life, a life that is obedient to God's word, a life that is obedient to the lordship of Jesus. You see, friends, the more you love and obey Jesus, the more holy and the more sanctified your life will be. So what? What's the takeaway for today? This parable of Jesus invites us to examine ourselves and to ask ourselves, what kind of heart do I have when I hear the word of God? Do I have a hard heart? Do I find the word unbelievable, boring, irrelevant? Or do I have a shallow heart? Am I about to stop following Jesus because life is too hard, because God has been disappointing me? Or do I have an infested heart? Are the good things in my life, which are meant to be blessings to cause me to give thanks to God, actually drawing me away from God? Are, are there things in this life that I love too much? They're good, but I love them too much, maybe more than I love Jesus. Or do I have a fruitful heart? Do I love God's word and do I desire to believe and obey God's word? Do I desire for the word to bear fruit in my life? So let me ask you, Christ Central and friends today, what kind of heart do you have? Jesus wants you to have a fruitful heart. Jesus wants you to hear God's word and also to do it because Jesus wants you to be a part of his family. And only those who are part of family are those who hear the word and do the word. Friends, I want you to remember this. Jesus obeyed the Father's will for you, even going to a cross to die on it for you. Jesus obeyed the Father because of his great love for you. And now you get to obey Jesus, the one who obeyed even to the point of death for you. 
Jesus demonstrated his love for you by laying down his life on the cross for you for your salvation in obedience to the Father. And now you get to demonstrate your love for Jesus by obeying him. Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Today, if you realize that you have had a hard heart all along, or maybe a shallow heart all along, or an infested heart all along. Today, I invite you to repent and to believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus loves you and that he died on the cross for you so that you might be forgiven of all of your sins and that you might be made a part of Jesus' family. And then ask God the Holy Spirit to give you a fruitful heart that you might not only hear God's word, that you might not only believe God's word, but that you might also obey God's word. And ask God to make his word fruitful in your life a hundred times over to his glory and for your joy. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word because your word searches our hearts. And I pray that everyone who has heard your word today would search their hearts today to ensure that we listen with good and fruitful hearts. That we don't just listen and not obey, but that we will hear your word, that we would deeply believe your word that we would do your word and thus show the world that we really do belong to your family, that we really do belong to your kingdom, that our hope is not in this life. Our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in the life to come, in the new heavens and the new earth that you will bring one day, Jesus, and when you return. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We trust you. But more than anything, we want to follow you and obey you for your pleasure and glory. It's in your name we pray.